Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show with Landon Witt. You are about to learn hyper-local market knowledge happening right now in the Oklahoma City real estate market. This is your fresh weekly report on housing conditions in Oklahoma City that will enable you to make smarter investment decisions and gain insight on local trends. Landon is a genuine, self-made top realtor in Oklahoma City with millions of dollars in real estate closed every year and hundreds of satisfied clients. He's top rated by sites like Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com, and Homes.com. He's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, property manager, and residential broker who's worked with clients from all over the globe to help achieve their real estate goals. This program will help you gain the much sought after hyper-local information that's vital to making real estate decisions, whether you live right here in the city or across the country. Welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Here is your host, Landon Witt, with this week's Daily Market Update. Welcome to episode 18 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. On today's show, we welcome Ty McBride from HGTV's show Revive and Restore, filmed here in Oklahoma City. Good stuff. Listen to that to the end of the show. I'm Landon Witt, license number 174290, brokered by Metro First Realty. Market data today provided by Oakmar, local area MLS. Active on the market the last seven days. 178 homes came on to the market this week in Oklahoma City with a median price of 129,000. We had some nice outlayers there of 2.5 million, 1.5 and 1.1. Cool stuff coming on, one of which is on the northeast side, which has just been an amazing transition over there as you just cross over into the northeast side there around the capital. Good stuff to see. Moving into the market, um, sold last week 123 homes, uh, moved off the shelf and on to their new owners. Those facts coming in at an average list price per square foot of $95.80 and an average sold price of $93.36. Again, that's 10 miles from the city center. The average days on market for last week was 28 days. If you have your house listed right now or you're about to list your house, generally the most showings you'll get is in that first two weeks. So once you hit day 14 on the market, if you're not really getting the traction that you thought you were gonna get, if you have a unique home, it's a little different, something way outside outlayers, you may take a little bit longer regardless of price. However, if your home is ready to go, your realtor has determined that it's market ready, at that 14 day window, you really start to decide, okay, where are we priced in the market? Um, as we get the next two weeks and approach that 30 day mark, that's the real determining factor on is this house gonna sell uh, for the price I've got it on. After we hit the 28 day, oh man, uh, really look at that pricing, really look at your placement, really look at your um, 
at that point, hopefully your photography and stuff like that is done correctly. But um, so it's good to see average days on market being at 28. That's a good number. Now, if we look at the median, which again, takes those outlayers out, those 250 days on market that somebody may have had or, or one day or no days because of maybe it was sold before it was entered into the system. We're looking at a median days on market of 15 days. Again, consistent with that first two weeks being that sense of urgency, new products on the market. We got to get it before someone else gets it. There's a tremendous sense of urgency that first two weeks. After the first two weeks, we start to kind of enter the end of the honeymoon phase. And that honeymoon phase of listing and selling your home at the perfect price kind of starts to dwell our, our teeter totter at that 30 day. So um, compared to last week, okay, um, 166 uh, a week before last homes moved and our um, sale price on average was $94.42. So we see the average dropping um, about a dollar a square foot uh, from last week um, on the market there. It'll be interesting to tell in the next 90 days uh, where the market pricing goes. We're also entering into the fall season. We're transitioning from the summer to the fall, which traditionally, in Oklahoma City and really nationally, we see a 20% reduction in the amount of home shoppers. Now that doesn't mean the amount of um, quality sales that you make because people still have to move and buy homes uh, during the winter. And in fact, studies have shown that people are more serious in the winter time than they are in the summertime. So uh, wanna get into the homes of the week week we didn't cover some homes this week we are I've done two things so in the home under to our 750 category both of these homes I've chosen this week are really close together in pricing I couldn't pass them up too cool to see first one is listed for 274 5708 Northwest 22nd Street beautiful bungalow it's a two-bedroom two-bath Perfect setup for um, a young couple or an older couple or a roommate situation. Uh, really cool, completely remodeled in Mesta Park. So getting into Mesta Park at 275 square foot on that one's 1,391 square foot. Beautiful kitchen, beautiful renovation. Well worth taking a look. You've also got a one car garage in the back. So good option there uh, in Mesta Park. Moving up to Belle Isle. Belle Isle is such a great booming area right now. Really seen some market transitioning going on there. Coming on the market at $175 a square foot, 2636 Northwest 55th Terrace on the market at 265. Beautiful renovation of a ranch style home. For those of you that love the ranch style homes, the benefits that ranch style homes gives you, um, like a two car garage. Um, this one's a beautiful contemporary renovation. It has a unique feature in it that they've taken a wine cabinet or a bar. This is a bar without a sink, a mini bar. And they have a pull out shelving system in the bottom 
that it's got drawers in it, but then you can slide it outwards and it becomes a miniature table. So you can have uh, either more space to prepare drinks. Uh, and then when you're not serving, you can push that back in and it doesn't take up your, your floor space. So kind of neat to see um, 2636 Northwest 55th Terrace. Of course, if you're, uh, if you look down in the description, you'll see the links down below. All right, moving on to the news for the week, you real estate connoisseurs. Oklahoma City owes a debt of thanks to Jim Couch. After 18 years of city manager and 31 working for Oklahoma City in general, Jim Couch is heading for retirement at the end of this year. Jim Couch um, was just a little bit, uh, so a city manager is one that manages quite a few projects that also encourages new development in town. Um, normally in Oklahoma's history, that position has been filled by someone who's only there for about an average of two and a half years uh, before they're replaced by another city manager. Um, Mr. Couch stayed there for 18 years crazy unprecedented. Uh, during his reign as city manager, um, he secured rights uh, for water from Canton Lake. Uh, many of you who you boat on Lake Hefner or drink the water, which is most of you, because that's where our city water comes from, is Lake Hefner there, right off of Lake Hefner Parkway. That lake many of you can remember has drained several times in the past to the point where it was just bare dry um, and just a little bit of water there in the middle well that was our city drinking water so uh, mr couch secured um contracts with uh canton lake which is uh, i think about an hour and a half northwest of oklahoma city um, to be able to get water rights uh, consistently from that lake to make sure our lake never goes dry which is the source of drinking water for our city uh, underneath his reign as well um, he entered agreements that resulted in the New Orleans Hornets playing here for two seasons during Hurricane Katrina and then went on to move the Oklahoma City Thunder or set up Oklahoma City Thunder as a permanent residence at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. Bringing the NBA to town has been nothing short of transformative. If you didn't know the OKC Thunder, the NBA, the award-winning NBA team in town, the championship team. Um, they actually, um, it, it, oh, the term OKC was not as popular in Oklahoma City until that NBA team. So you have to thank the OKC, like the OKC Real Estate Show and OKC um, Rehabs and all these different companies using OKC. It comes from that NBA big boost. So hats off to Jim Cooch, our couch, as he's heading out of uh, the position. There is four months left before he's gone and we'll be seeing a new city manager. That'll be very interesting because he's appointed all the high officials in town uh, during his reign. So it'll be interesting to see that transition. Another 150 good paying jobs coming to Bricktown tech company uh, Rural Sourcing has announced that they are going to be uh, leasing a building um, and bringing 150 jobs to Oklahoma City. This is an Atlanta-based technology service company. Um, they are um, basically an IT company uh, doing software development and outsourcing domestic um, software development support and stuff in addition to their Atlanta headquarters. 
They also have offices in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mobile, Alabama, and Jonesboro, Arkansas. A memo to the trust from the city manager, Jim Cooch, Couch, <laughs> indicates that the Chamber of Commerce has been working with the company since July and that the rural, rural sourcing reviewed 50 mid-sized cities and considered factors such as access to IT talent cost of living, quality of life, and economic incentives, and decided that Oklahoma City is the winner out of those 50 cities. It's estimated that the financial impact to Oklahoma City would be over $122 million over the first seven years. The company plans to invest at least $500,000 in leasehold improvements and $1 million in furniture and equipment over the next three years. The trust is being asked to approve a resolution that would be the first step in allocating $450,000 in incentives and general obligation limited tax bond proceeds. Ultimately, city council would have to provide final approval for that project. But that's great to see that out of 50 cities, OKC won in the IT employee development. Moving onward, Ty McBride on the show today. If you haven't seen it, Restore and Revive was a show that HGTV piloted last month in Oklahoma City, restoring a beautiful home in Mesta Park. Ty McBride teamed up with another associate to create or recreate a historic flair, but then add modern touch to the home. Uh, Ty McBride is the CEO and founder of Wood Window Rescue, one of the largest, fastest growing window companies in Oklahoma City, specializing in historic windows, historic windows. If you live in one of these historic districts in the Oklahoma City area, you understand very well that you can't just swap out any window you like. You've got to get approval from city planning uh, and urban development to try to uh, find out what window you can use. There's a 150 page manual on what renovations you can do and not do to the exterior of your home. Ty McBride is an expert at that. So one phone call to his company can get you squared away for getting those old windows restored or replacing them all together does a beautiful job with wood windows. With none to do, we went to his studio or his warehouse there in downtown Oklahoma City to do the interview. Fantastic time with him. Without further ado, Ty McBride from HGTV on the OKC Real Estate Show. You drive down these historical streets and so many houses are renovating. The opportunity for a restoration team like us is incredible. Ty is a can-do craftsman. I'm a restoration junkie. I'd hate to see that go away. Hats off to history, but how can I bring it to the 21st century? And now, the kitchen. I love it. You know, I want to hold the timeless things that are already here, and you want to bring in the new timeless things that exist in design. Yeah, bringing all that together is what makes us an amazing team. Boom. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm here with Ty McBride uh, here on the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. What an amazing character. Okay, you've been featured on, most recently, HGTV's yeah. new episode, uh -huh. uh, Restore and Revive, uh, or Revive and Restore. Revive and Restore, yeah. Okay, so their pilot episode was here in Mesta Park, of all yeah. places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you get together with another local specialist uh -huh. and you guys uh, show the TV audience how to renovate a home and, and do it in an amazing way. Yeah. So it's kind of a combination of modern uh, design and keeping the old uh, original historic uh, 
feel to the home. Right, right. Cool. Well, um, what a what an amazing uh, story that you have. Uh, for those that maybe have seen your stuff before, um, I know that you spoke at uh, Ignite OKC mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. Uh, that was a great uh, stuff that you've got. I want to talk a little bit about um, your passion for historics, your passion for kind of keeping the old and bringing the old into the new generation. So uh, tell me, I mean, how'd you get started in this? Man, so I was doing, uh, you know, my family had a home building business, a roofing business, construction business, and we were doing a uh, fire and water uh, restoration in Mesta Park. And uh, the had these beautiful windows. The house was built by G.A. Nichols, beautiful windows across the front of it. And uh, they some of the parts have been burned. And when I went to get my C.A., because uh, I was getting my building permits and I got my CA. They're like, well, what are you going to do about these damaged windows? And I didn't have an answer. And I was a general contractor. And I, so I went, I was like, well, who does this? And I called my supplier and they go, we don't have any windows for you. Uh, I called, I called HP and I was like, okay, who can you recommend? And they said, we can't recommend anybody. But here are three people. And I called the three people. Uh, out of those three people, only one answered the phone. And they told me he was essentially retired, but if I needed help, I could come see him. Mm. And, and he was in Wawoka and I went out to Wawoka. I, uh, and then I found some uh, windows in a dumpster and I just started, I just started practicing on them in my garage and, you know, just kind of slowly progressed from, well, I say slowly, it it quickly progressed Mm. from there where initially I was like, you know, I was doing renovations and windows. And before I knew it, I was just doing windows and not doing any renovations Mm. any longer. Mm. Wow. So it sounds like there, you, you got the attitude of, if there's a problem there and I can't find anybody to fix it, I'm just going to do it myself. You know, that one, that one, it was kind of the only way, the only way out of option. I, I, there was a company in Kansas, North of Kansas city that I called and they told me that they could make me some of these reproduction windows, Hmm. but, uh, I would have to get on the calendar for the following year. Oh, wow. And I was like, well, that, I can't wait the following year to get on a calendar. I got, you know, clients expecting the house in like 90 days. Sure. Right, right. Yeah. And well, that's always the question is you got these renovations and then you get the the schedule. So when was that, that, that happened? When was that magical moment where you said, that was uh, working on these windows? In about 2000, it would have been first part of 2015. Wow. That, that, uh, I was working on that property. So this has progressed really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. Now, you had some history uh, of bef- not just you starting in home development and home home building, but your family's had a history of this in Oklahoma. Yeah. You mind talking a little bit about that? No, 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 no. My grandfather started building houses in Moore uh, in 1972. Uh, he actually didn't know what he was going to do. And a friend of his, uh, Deward Markle, which was a, a small home builder in, in Moore, uh, loaned him loaned him the money or helped him get set up to do three houses. Hmm. And from those three houses, he uh, he went on to build I, I, hundreds more. I couldn't even tell you how many. Wow. Uh, developed, if you're familiar with Moore, they developed Westmore, sure. uh, Blue Stem Ridge, uh, and uh, several other uh, neighborhoods there and more. He, he eventually became a developer and a home builder. Wow. And so you were about what age when he was doing that? I... I 
kid. I mean, I was okay. Yeah, well, I guess in the yeah, seventies, yeah. So. I, I was, I, you know, I came along in the in the eighties. So your father then? So it was your father's father that was a yeah. home builder. So yeah. so, and then did your father get into? To my dad home? got into it later on. Uh, of course, worked with the worked with my grandfather. Also worked for uh, Dovestone, hmm. who was a realtor and a home builder there in in Moore in South Oklahoma City. Uh, my dad worked a lot for Fox Building Supply. Hmm. So uh, and then. I, I started helping dad out with the business. You know, I cleaned job sites and done that stuff through college and some, you know, during the summers, but I didn't actually really start helping out. Uh, I worked with him at Dove Stone. Uh, I got my real estate license and I sold the houses with Dove Stone. And then I uh, started helping with the roofing and construction business in, uh, in 2010. Wow. Wow. Interesting stuff. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Ty McBride of HGTV's Revive and Restore, a new series coming uh, featuring a pilot episode in Oklahoma City. Uh, pretty cool stuff. If you haven't seen it, you can check out the HGTV website. We're here at his shop, uh, which is Wood Window Rescue. Um, if for those of you that maybe are thinking about buying a historic, or maybe you just bought a historic, or maybe you're even an under contract on a historic home. Windows are a big thing that historic preservation districts are going to be looking for. Um, nothing is more obvious than someone who over the weekend throws a double thermal pane window or a window upgrade and just thinks it'll just be passed off. Well, guess what? Chances are it's not. Uh, and in fact, I've heard several cases where folks have upgraded the windows on their own without getting permission and even done it correctly. Mm -hmm. But because they didn't ask permission first, they had to rip those windows yeah. out and then reinstall them uh, with the right permits. Yeah. So can you walk me through quickly kind of what 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 can what they can expect in Oklahoma City if they're having to upgrade the windows as yeah. far as permits? Oklahoma City has two Two uh, different, uh, I guess, governing bodies for historic preservation. We have the Capitol Medical, which is, you know, around the state capitol and OU Med Center. Uh, they're their own. And then there's the Oklahoma City uh, that's there on the ninth floor. Uh, and that, that covers, you know, your Mesta Park, Heritage Hills, uh, like Crown Heights, Paseo, Edgemere, Jefferson, and Shepherd, I think, are the primary ones. Hmm. But... Uh, yeah, what the city what the city is looking for, what general preservation rules are, is just kind of do no harm, put it back like the way that it was, and and because these these houses though uh, they may have different owners through the years, uh, preservation sees them as part of the overall community, and so we want to keep those for the city and for future generations, and so they just really view all exterior. Uh, changes is really uh, they need to be significant and they need to be important and we need to try to preserve uh, the heritage as much as possible. Wow. So there's a theory behind preservation uh, and you spoke a little bit about that in, in one of your talks. Um, you recently tweeted, I believe the next generation of homeowners will value sustainability over size and community over commuting. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. What's the thought behind that? Well, thought behind that was at the time I I was uh, living in Yukon, and 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 of course I said a home builder. My grandfather's a home builder, so he he had done we we had built the houses and been part of the urban sprawl. Sure. But just seeing the difference of what what had happened in the in the in the center of our city uh, following the seventies and the and the and the. Uh, Changes with our school system really kind of kind of suck the life out of it. But when you 
just seeing what's happened since then and as we bring everything back, it really shows just kind of what the difference is of uh, driving somewhere every single day and then driving straight in your garage, but then the difference when you're living in a community and what that what that looks like. And, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my neighborhood, that looks like, you know, knowing knowing who your neighbor is, uh, knowing all the, the parents uh, outside the pickup for school where my daughters go to school. It's just, it's just a different sense of that. And I think that that's what current generations of home builders or home buyers are looking for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. what future generations will be looking for. Sure. I know that just the feedback that we get at our brokerage, um, families that have maybe grown up in a cookie cutter home. I mean, the, the millennials are the generation that their parents were part of the, the suburban yeah. sprawl. And now they don't want what their parents had. I right. mean, that's, that's time and time again, you get that. Like, no, I don't want the cookie cutter home. You know, I was raised in that or, or that's what my parents bought and the McMansion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I want something that's got character. Yeah. You, know, you hear that a lot. And they're willing to give up closet space and bathroom yeah. size and all that to have this character. So it's really something. Um, now, you bring up a great topic about this construction worker crisis that we're yeah. facing. Um, this is something we haven't really talked about yet on the show. We definitely want to bring this into more light in future episodes. But when you talk about construction crisis, you specifically are talking about 50-year-old and, mm-hmm. and higher uh, construction workers being the majority right now. Absolutely. And getting ready to retire soon. So right. what's going on with that? How do we fix that problem? You know, unfortunately, I think uh, school systems have kind of failed us. They put, you know, I, I of course, I, I went to college. I understand that's a really important avenue for some, but it's not uh, It's not always the best solution for kids and students and young adults is to go to college. There's really great incomes that can be made and livelihoods that can be made in, in the trades. And uh, this kind of really hit home with me. Once again, grandfather built business, building houses, and I looked around at the at my subcontractors, the guys that I was working with daily, and they were all in their fifties, and they were amazing. But they were, you know, when I mm. looked around, looked for everybody that was my age or younger, there was nobody. Mm. And then when I, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> uh, and then when I, uh, I have several of my uh, uh, family who are teachers. My sister is a teacher at Western Heights, and I started talking to her about, you know, what are students doing? What are you? Like, what do they want to be when they grow up? What do they want to be when they grow up? And of course, they all want to be YouTubers, and that's really cool. But, but we definitely need some people in the trades, and and there's just not a whole lot of schools right now Mm. that are teaching trades, teaching uh, carpentry. You know, the wood shop is not like a thing that exists in schools anymore. It was barely a thing that existed when I was in school, and it definitely doesn't really exist in schools now. Well, I think, I think also too, there it's the the job, uh, field, I think, is being pitched differently of what the reality of it is. You know, many, I think many folks think that if you're an electrician or if you're a woodworker, that you're going to be, you know, in a sweat lodge and all this kind of stuff that maybe your grandfather was in. But the reality is, is that they have some of the most incredible technology at their, at their hands now uh, to where jobs that used to be super labor intensive are no longer labor intensive. And it's a lot of technology, like as far as mobile apps that they're using yeah. now, uh, measuring technology, laser imaging, all these type of things that really have made that industry pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, just you think of welding, how that's mm-hmm. changed over the years to where now, I mean, it's just crazy what they can do and, and quickly. Yeah. So- 
you recently had uh, a clo- a closing statement during the OKC Ignite uh, where you urged folks to invest mm-hmm. in present preservation. Yeah. What do you mean by invest in preservation? Well, I mean by looking at uh, services that preservation needs uh, and or or opportunities in preservation. So on on one point that can be looking for looking for buildings that have significant historical character and as if you're an investor if you're uh, to to purchase those buildings and think of creative uses for that uh to to take advantage of historic tax credits both state and federal historic tax credits to uh that's that's one part the other part is if you're someone like me and you're a service provider to look at to look at what you currently do look at the opportunities that exist and to consider maybe changing your your uh your business structure your service structure to specifically service historic properties or homes and so that can be as small as if you're an electrician to really dive in and understand the needs of a historical home and how those differ from a new home and then become a specialist in that become a specialist in mm-hmm. how to upfit a house to meet new new electrical needs uh while also not damaging you know all of the uh, plaster and lath or you know how to how to how to be an electrician and also not cause a- excessive dust so that the client's not uh, exposed to lead lead to specialize your trade yeah, to specialize yeah, your sure. trade and that can sure. happen for electricians and trim carpenters and plumbers and roofers and masonry I mean, it can happen all across the board because so many property owners that I'm familiar with uh, projects that I'm familiar with that is desperately needed mm. Mm. So, I, I I would suppose well not every I mean there's 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 huge historic districts in Oklahoma City but there's tons of historic homes that maybe aren't regulated by right. the historic and and I think folks still want to keep that character and that's definitely encouraged. Um, you had something and this is the question that every realtor gets is you know Landon or whoever. You know, when we upgrade our house, you know, what kind of value can we expect from an appraisal, right? And an appraiser is generally looking at what's sold before right. and comparing your house to that house. You had a powerful statement that you said, um, don't renovate to increase property value or to keep up with the Jones. Renovate because it matters. Yeah. Do something that will inspire your street. Yeah. And that's just a different whole way of yeah. thinking. And I think that's a very powerful way of thinking, though. And I think, honestly, in the in the, in the the law in the grand scheme of things, it may actually give your house a lot more value to the person. Yeah. Because I've seen appraisals come in at $721,000 and the house sell for five hundred dollars mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it just wasn't anything anybody wanted to buy. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the reality of this. So um, also that inspired too this whole movement of this whole suburban sprawl, mm-hmm. right? They built those houses for banks, not for yeah. people a lot of yeah. times because those are easily packaged. And also banks can't just loan money without having a product, right? Right. I mean, you can have a business loan, right? That's a product, a business. But to loan somebody $200,000, you got to have a product, right? right? So the banks... That's the American dream of owning home, right? That yeah. was really shoved by the banks. So we end up having this product in the suburb that's a result of the banks trying to have a product to then sell. Mm-hmm. And these urban sprawls where everything's the same are easy to appraise and it makes banks happy. Yeah. Whereas when you get into these historics, you may have a house that's unlike anything else in the world. Very challenging for an appraiser. Yeah. But guess what? 
very good for buyers because right. they've got no other ones like it. So, well, my always concern that. is just that you know if you know my grandfather retired, looking at what was happening in two thousand eight, knew that, like he had he had done what he was going to do, and it was time to time to retire. And and we think about that McMansion that you talked about earlier. That that just building building for the bank, building for the appraiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what that caused, what the end result of that was. And and now we look at that, you know, 10 years later, and what we're seeing is we're seeing a flip of that in historic neighborhoods mm. of mm. of uh, flipping the house for the bank, flipping the house for the appraiser, not really considering the homeowner and the home, and not just the, the next homeowner, but the, the following homeowners after that, because a house isn't a product just for just for the person buying it, it's a product that will be sold and resold over and over again. I, I just really believe that, uh, of course, I I completely understand that, you know, uh, selling something to make money and, and sure. renovating to make yeah, money. I mean, that's what it's all about. But, but is to have a longer term view of that renovation, to think, to think not only about what it's going to do for your pocketbook today, but think about what it's going to mean for the community overall in the long term. You know, we did, uh, the show and we looked at all these different houses that we could pick for uh for the pilot episode mm. and the house that we ended up picking was was the one that we thought if we did this house and we did it right and we were to use this opportunity that HGTV has given us we could really transform a house that was one of the most significantly dilapidated on that street and it would make that impact that like that it's street an impact. example yeah, yeah kind of yeah. set the bar Certainly, certainly. Well, I mean, there's been several cases where uh, folks have done stuff and just kind of really triggered um, the community to kind of get behind it and then begin doing projects on their yeah. of their own. So um, when we talk about these kind of changes are not changing stuff, what are some big things in these homes that folks really need to keep the same? I mean, we, we talk about windows, right? Plaster, right. you know. I, my, my first thing is just the exterior. That's that's what, for me, as a preservationist, I want to see uh, uh, kept historically appropriate because that's the part of it that I think is the, is the communities. It's not just yours. It's the communities as a whole. And so they're that, walking down the sidewalk. They're, they're right. driving down the roads. They're experiencing right. that. And it's part, it's part of our, our, built, our built environment, our built heritage, and that's something that we were given and then we need to give back once we're done with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's where, you know, uh, maintaining the, the historic siding, uh, roof, windows, and just the basic elements of the home. Uh, of course, adding on happens, but when we add on to add on in a way that that uh, respects what was built before and and uh, is obvious that it's a, a respectful add on uh, on the inside. Really, on the inside, I have my personal preferences, which are to try to keep it as close to what it originally was as possible. What I completely, you know, the needs of of modern families are are different sure. than the needs sure. of of a family a hundred years ago. Uh, in in my wife and I's house, uh, there is a service entrance. The kitchen is little bitty. It was designed for a. Uh, for, for service people to come in and uh, cook dinner. And then it has what they call saddleback staircase, which is their stairs directly out of the kitchen. So, and it was all designed so the service people could go to the basement and where like the pantry was at, they could cook, they could come in from the side door and they could go to the dining room without ever uh, being out in front of the, uh, the entertaining the or the sure. guest or whatever. 
Sure. That doesn't exist in our economy any longer. The culture is different. The culture is different. So we don't have, there's not a service, uh, you know. Actually, in fact, being part of the the cook, you know, being part of the cooking that's going on is part of the event. That's part part of who we are now. And so we've changed the way our events, we've changed the way we share our homes. And so I think it's completely understandable to change the way the layouts are. The big thing is when we change those layouts, are we doing it in a way that's protecting the structure of the home? I think that's my biggest concern is... Uh, you just can't take every wall out. Sure. Uh, are you, are you getting those, are you making sure that those, those walls are taken care of appropriately? Are you getting the permits needed? Are you, are you getting an engineer stamp when you're going to span 18 feet? Do, right. Have, have you really right. considered those things? And then the electrical and plumbing changes that you make, have you really considered what those are going to mean for the overall space? And for the length of the house, you know, and also too. These homes don't always have to be perfect. You know, when we go into a home that's 100 years old, often the floor is kind of doing mm-hmm. some wonky roller coaster yeah. stuff going on. But that's okay in a lot of these cases. If you call some of the most experienced engineers out to these homes, they'll tell you this home has settled over 100 years. Right. If you try to make it level now, you're going to destroy the yeah. home. You know? Yeah. So uh, part of that is just the character. And sometimes you're paying extra for that character. So, uh, well, it sounds like the guys are ramping yeah, up, ready to come back. Yeah, so. it's, everybody's ready to get yeah. back to work. Cool. Well, tell the folks a little bit about Wood Window Rescue. How can they get involved in this? If they've got a project of their own, I mean, what services do you guys offer and how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, most of our services are uh, serv- most of our service are residential-based and we do uh, – we remake windows that are historically appropriate, almost exact matches of what was originally there. We upfit windows to increase energy efficiency with weather stripping and storm windows. And and our big thing that we do is we just help people get in their windows working again. Because hmm. uh, that's hmm. usually people's concern is, let's get this window where it opens. And we show people how to sure. do that and how sure. to put it back the way that it, it used to be. Yeah, there's nothing like being able to open your windows on a beautiful fall day. Um, and, and that's great. And also, one, one other thing, too. So... When we talk about windows we and you bring up efficiency, mm-hmm. can you talk for just a second about somebody that's maybe worried about an expensive utility bill? I know some of these historic homes that are over 2,500 square foot, the utility bills are getting $300 and more a month. Mm-hmm. Um, how important are windows in that? Windows only account for 10% of the air infiltration in a home. So, I, you know, it's, it's something that you can address. And like I said, just to say, Addressing it with weather stripping and storm windows, interior or exterior, will solve that and make your window more energy efficient than about anything else on the market and get you a higher return on investment. Uh, what you really need to look at is insulation, attic and basement insulation, because that's where the heat loss is coming from. Uh, and most people, when they address those things, can see a significant decrease in their in their overall utility bill. Insulation is key. So start there and then work out from there. Ty McBride, thanks for uh, the thanks interview for today. Me. Yeah, it's been great. And uh, we'll see you later on a future episode. We want to have you back for sure. Thanks, man. All right. And that concludes episode 18 of the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. For questions, comments, concern, or if there's something specific you want to hear on the show, please email Landon, L-A-N-D-O-N, at O-K-C-R-E-A-L.com. That's Landon at O-K-C-R-E-A-L.com. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, you have a fantastic day.